It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. What these young bloods have to understand that this game has always been and will always be about buckets. Just attack the basket. Welcome to Buckets, brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. My name's Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network. Joined today for this Best Bets weekend episode by Sean Little. You can find him on Twitter at Chicago Flow from MSG Networks. Sean, what's up? What's going on, Matt, man? I'm happy to be here with you and BA. It's our first time. And as he mentioned, BA, Brandon Anderson, NBA futures analyst who I asked for his best bets. And oh boy. Did he give me some best bets? We'll get to all those. Uh, we will do the cap on those weekend games for both Saturday and Sunday, as well as we'll take a look at the series prices and how to bet the NBA playoffs here on a futures-ish Friday. It's not really a futures Friday. It's a futures-ish Friday. I want to let you know everything that we talk about today could be found in the award-winning Action Network app. Best way for you to track your picks. You have the second information where the bets and money are coming in on. All sorts of opportunities for you. You check out this podcast, Line Change, our hockey podcasts, uh, Playoff Pitch, the baseball podcast, Action Network podcast covering all sports as well as the NFL offseason and draft. The favorites, so much stuff. Green Dot Daily, our live our live show that to get your betting agenda set for the day. So much cool stuff. Check it out in the Action Network app. Let's go ahead and go around the table here and we'll list our best bets for the weekend slates. Brandon's going to go last because his are long and convoluted. Sean's going to go first because his are to the point. Sean, what's your best bet for the weekend slate? I'm going with uh, the Tyrese Maxis minus five and a half. I'm taking the Sixers. All right. Uh, I have, I have bets on, I think three of the four games that we have lines on. I'll start with Sunday. Uh, I'm on the Kings money line plus 270 at FanDuel Sportsbook. For the Kings take a 3-1 series lead for the Warriors. What could go wrong? I am with Sean on Philly minus five and a half to sweep the Brooklyn Nets. I am on Milwaukee. I got this at minus three. Brandon got it at a better number. I still like it at minus five and a half. And I'm on the LA Lakers minus five versus the Memphis Grizzlies in game three on Saturday. Brandon Anderson, give me the best bets. All right, so let me start with my favorite here. I like the Bucks, Like you said, I got the two and a half. I still like it at the five and a half, probably more of a lean than a bet, like a half unit sort of play at that number. My best bet right now on that one, Bucks minus one and a half games in the series. So Bucks to win, not in seven, is minus 130 right now. I think that is badly mispriced. We'll get there. I have a similar one in the Clippers' Suns. I like Clippers plus two and a half games at even the money. That is effectively Clippers to win another game at some point. And I think that is definitely going to happen. So those are my favorite two. I do like the Lakers in the next game. I like them because of LeBron. So I got more complicated here. Give me LeBron to score 35 in a win plus 450. And then my favorite, 
but also not like don't don't bet your mortgage on this one. Matt, I like the Kings in game four, but here's how I'm playing it. Kings in game four, up three to one. The Warriors heroically go to Sacramento and finally win a road game. They come home. They blow the Kings out. They win game six. It goes back to seven, Kings and seven. At FanDuel, our sponsor, you can play exact result outcome. Matt, I know you love exact result outcome. Give me Kings in game four, Warriors game five, Warriors game six, Kings in seven, plus 1,700. Let's go. I want to, Sean, this is the guy I, I have trouble getting on best bets because he's like, I don't know the outcome of any single game. Yeah. And then he's like, no, no, four Kings, <laughs> five Warriors, six Warriors, seven Kings. Like the crystal ball's out. The crystal ball's working right now. Sometimes I, I it's, guess, it's a little dinged up and All broken. Right. Sometimes uh, it's looking very one. clear. Let's start with the easy one on here before we get into Brandon's third eye being open like Kyrie. Uh, <laughs> let's go to the Sixers. Sixers minus five and a half. So the numbers that I've looked up on this have been really positive in terms of being a favorite on the road uh, in these kind of games beyond the first two games. If you're a road favorite, honestly, in the last handful of playoffs, it's gone very well for you. So one of the things that I looked at was if you're a, uh, this is from Evan Abrams. Um, if you are on the road, these teams have won at a, a really high rate as a favorite. Like that's just been like if you if the market thinks that you were better, you have won. And that's been like a high opportunity. Now, I think the game three was the better spot. We just cleared that thanks to the turnover late. <laughs> thanks. Thank, thank you for the turnover, uh, Nets. And so we, we covered in that one. But for me, we have the trend. Evan Abrams posted this. We've talked about it on, on Green Dot Daily. Teams that teams had gone 44 and 0 until the Suns last night. And if you won, you covered. If you were a dog, obviously you covered the number and you won if you won straight out. But if you were a favorite and you won the game, you also covered. So you should be just laying the points here. We've got that trend going forward. The Nets, I think, like the Nets, this is my read on the Nets watching them. If there's a tactical adjustment, I would be like, yeah, for sure. Like they could just go do this. I don't think there's a tactical adjustment here. They know that. This team's entire body language is like, what do you want from us here, man? We got thrown together because KD wanted out. Like we're not even supposed to be here today. Like, we're not even supposed to be here. What do you want from us? Joel Embiid is the largest man on the planet, and he's flopping, then kicking people and not getting ejected. <laughs> Our guy flexed and got ejected. I What are we supposed to do here? So I just don't know that the Nets are – there's no collective identity for the Nets to be like, we're a team that fights. They don't know who they are. They don't know who they're going to be. They don't know what their future is going to be. None of these guys know they're going to be in Brooklyn after the summer. Maybe Mikhail. That's it. So to me – I'll lay the point. Sixers are going to sweep here. Minus five and a half, Sean. Bing fucking oh, Matt Moore. That is dead on across the board. And it's also, it's not that the Nets aren't trying. They really are trying. They're out there playing hard. They just don't have enough. Every time they play their best stretches of ball, I've looked up and been like, okay, they're playing pretty well here. And it, it's, it's like a tie game. It's like it's like Sixers Nets 30 to 30, right? Go back to game two. Cam Johnson goes crazy in the first quarter. He can't miss from three. He's dunking on Embiid's head. Tie game at the end of one. Then also, just like you alluded to, Jacques Vaughn is still trying to figure out who he wants to play, what he wants to do, how many the rotations. Seth Curry plays 20 minutes in game two, DMP in game three. Joe Harris plays 17 plus minutes in game two, less than five in game three. He's still just trying to throw things out there on the floor and trying to figure out what sticks, and nothing is essentially sticking at the moment. You can even go to game three. Harden gets ejected, and Bede only scores 14 points on 13 shots. You get 46 from Bridges and Dinwiddie. Cam Johnson continues to play well at 17. 
Nobody can see Maxi. They they end up the Philly with the late turnover ends up covering the number. But every time I the 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 Nets are playing their best basketball, it's making no difference in the series. They just flat out don't have enough. I don't see how these guys could get up for a game four at home. The the only thing that worries me a touch is the game is at one p.m. on a Saturday afternoon. I believe the Philadelphia 76ers have enough veteran leadership and are ready to try their best to make a big push here in the East. So I think they'll be ready to go early. Harden played really well before he went out. So, yeah, I like this to be done, dusted. Give me Philly minus five and a half. I need the numbers, so I just pulled them up. Uh, since 2003, if you are up 3-0 and favored in game four, 14 and four straight up, 12 and six at 67% against the spread. So the 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 numbers are pretty positive for us there um yeah i just think the last the last fight was last night yes or in, in game three that was the push they really tried they were playing their best i think claxton stepped yelled in Embiid's face and stepped over him on purpose like hey we're really going to try to try to get a w here we're we're at home we're in brooklyn we're going to try to push here yesterday game three was the slot they weren't going to be able to get it done. I, I don't see how they don't. They were they like, we're going to bring him. We're going to bring the fire and the passion exactly. and the emotion. The officials were like, nope, <laughs> nope. Yeah. That's not what you're going to do. That's not going to happen. Um, Brandon, I know that uh, you have, we're going to get to very soon all of the bad things you have to say about the Philadelphia 76ers because it, it, people think I hate the Sixers. Whoop boy. The text I get from Brandon about the Sixers are wild. Uh, Brandon, though, like, do you have any reason to light the nets in the spot? Yeah, red flags galore on the team. And the face I made when you said veteran leadership on this Philadelphia squad, Sean, oh boy. But I, I agree, Sean, all the things you said about here's all the stuff that the Nets did and still could barely even stay tied in the game. On the flip side, sub 50 EFG, they got killed on the offensive glass. Claxton outplayed Joel Embiid and then got ejected for doing so. And they still almost won the game. Like you can do that both ways. That said, yeah, I don't know why the I don't know why the Nets show up here. Like, and not to say that like they've been trying hard. That's not even a critique of them. But all the stuff Matt said, this team is not a team. This team is just the collection of misfit toys. My only pushback is this: if you like Philly here to close this out. Are you better off playing Brooklyn and Nets team total under 101.5? That's the number. We're under in three for three games right now. Brooklyn can't score, guys. Like, they got nobody can make points for them. So if you like Philly to just close us out and think Brooklyn is just donezo, is that the safer play or are they both safe plays? I think it's because it's we're talking about a number that's low enough to where if it's four and the Nets season is on the line, essentially, they'll probably foul right? You get two free throws, get to six. Sure. Um, I feel like there's, if we look at the range of outcomes, most of the outcomes lean towards a cover, right? Like do, do most of the outcomes lead towards like how, what, what's the percentage of outcomes that lead towards a Nets win? What's the percentage of outcomes that lead towards a Nets loss, but a cover. And then what's the range of outcomes that lead towards a Sixers cover. And like, there's a huge, I feel like swath of those. Like, I feel like this could be a, like a blowout, a comfortable 10 point win, uh, a late backdoor cover with the free throws. Like there's all sorts of scenarios where I could see the Sixers getting the cover here. Um, so I, I think I agree with that. The only, I think the reason why I would consider the team total under rather than, and then this, this is just a pass game for me, but I think the Brooklyn Nets could win a game, but still go under the one Oh one and a half. So that would be the reason is if, if the Nets won, 
I don't know that it's necessarily because they had this amazing game as much as just Philly didn't show and, and maybe Embiid labored through injury or got the midnight suspension or something. I mean, I guess that the, the the argument here would have to be the Sixers shot variance went the other way from the first game, right? Like the Sixers just missed everything. And so the Nets get a grinded out win. But part of me is like, I mean, I keep waiting. I don't understand how Embiid's not destroying this team. And people are going to be like, well, he's getting triple team, Matt. He's getting triple team by midgets. They're all tiny. <laughs> he has more turnovers than assists. Everyone talked about his playmaking in the series. He had more turnovers than he had, he had so many turnovers last night. How is he not like I'm not even, like I'm not putting this on like not even comparing him to Nicola because that enters into the whole MVP conversation. Like Bam would have double digit assists. Like Bam Adebayo would have double digit assists in the series. What are we doing? Anyway, uh, let's move on to more competitive series. Let's talk about Milwaukee, Miami, because we got some best bets on that. So, Brandon, they popped this line at two and a half. I'm at the arena when that notification hits my Slack from Joe Delara, And all of a sudden, like, uh, so to, to run you back through what I was going through, there's, I have spotty internet at Ball Arena, and some things work and some things don't on the Wi-Fi. So I had to try and get on the cell signal amidst a huge crowd to try and do this. And I'm like, frantically, like the game's going on. I'm like, ooh, good pick and roll defense. Head down, like, must get Bucks minus two <laughs> and a half. And I, I missed out. I got Bucks minus three, but I'm still pretty okay with that. Got that in as soon as I could. It's moved to five and a half. Um, the market was like, are you insane? Like, ba- like Giannis almost plays in game two. Now it's game three. He's got another two days of rest. And you think that this that this should be Bucks minus, minus two and a half. Um, I, I took it because I think that there's value on the number. I might middle this if I get an opportunity. I am more bullish on Miami than you are. Not surprising. Like maybe the only team you like less than the Sixers. Talk. You said that you would only play a half unit at the five and a half. Let's talk about that differential and why you think that that's important as a distinction, why these three points of value matters. Um, and about this conversation happens a lot in po- betting podcasts, where if you're in the betting space, you're going to get the better of the number a lot because we're in these conversations constantly. How do you weigh the value of the number here and why does two and a half matter more than five and a half, just in, more than just the three points? And how confident are you that the Heat win this game? And then we can talk about your series pick. Yeah, I think that the number matters just five, even five to five and a half, like those those extra half points. Now you talked about even in the last game with Philly, Brooklyn, what happens if we're close down near the end? What if it's a one shot game and now Miami takes the shot, they miss and now they have to foul? Well, to go from two or three points to three, four, five, like that's all in a range. Five and a half is is just high enough for me where it's like, okay, well, we were on maybe a two possession game or or we had to foul multiple possessions. Or it's it's again, it's it's not football. There are no key numbers here, right. but it's in a playoff game, it's just high enough for me to think twice about it. Um I will say, and we've done some research on this, and I need to like post an article on it. Four is getting to be a pretty key number. I wouldn't mm-hmm. call it a key number. It's not like football, right? It's not like de- definably three seven. I will say that four is turning into a bigger one. Where if a team is up four, they'll let it go. Like if a team is up four under ten seconds, we're seeing a lot more teams be like, especially depending on the squad, right? And coach. A lot of times, though, at four, they'll let it go under ten seconds. So like four to me is getting to be more of a key number i wouldn't call it key key ish trending towards key but that's yeah. like does that change in the there. playoffs though does it get a little more convoluted yeah. in the playoffs that's where it gets you'd have to run a bunch of numbers but yeah i mean 
when it's when it's four, it's not it's not it's not one possession anymore. But the playoffs, it can get a little sticky. I agree. I agree. Um, so that's the question is like, would they foul yeah. at five versus would they foul at six? And those are the, the two questions I think yeah. you have to answer. Well, I um, think too, my, Miami just plays so many close games. Yeah. Miami's entire story of the season is having a close game at the end. So again, where five and a half, that matters a little more for Miami to me than it would for an Atlanta or someone like that. Atlanta, who really cares? Like, just give me the box and let's get this over with. But <laughs> five and a half is like, all right, here, here are the heat. They've been trailing by 14 all game, but they're grinding and they're a great fourth quarter team. And Jamie scored another one and oh, we're back to within seven. Oh, the game is over. But like five and a half is high enough where the Bucs stopped trying at the end because they had it in hand. And now the Heat scored a couple, you know, garbage time buckets and they backdoored the cover. It just the number is just in range where as good as Miami is late, where I'm like, all right, I, I still like Milwaukee here. But that's why I pivoted more towards a series play, given where the number went. Why you like the series play? Let's talk about that. So Bucks minus one and a half on the series. I honestly I thought that this line would be a minus two and a half. And obviously you can play the alternate numbers, but a minus one thirty. This is the primary line. So Bucks minus one and a half means the Bucks win the series, not in seven. What are we doing? This is the one versus eight. It, unless I am badly misreading the Giannis injury news and he is potentially out for multiple more games still, this is not a reaction to, wow, Milwaukee made all the threes in game two. They're so much better. Like, I, I don't really care what happened in game two. I told you after game one, I didn't really care what happened in game one. The Bucs are way better than the Heat. They're way better at almost everything. The Heat have not been good for a long time. The Heat have not played good defense for quite a while. The Heat also are starting to get banged up by Brooke Lopez on the interior in game two. That was something I, I wondered after game one. Will they go, will they say, hey, Brooke, stop spacing and start just jamming on dudes? And then we started to see that he scored 25 in game two. So no prop lines yet because of Giannis, but Brooke Lopez overs is another spot I'm looking for. I just think that there are multiple tiers between these teams. And for this bet, box minus one and a half series not to to come through for me. Miami has to win two more games. And I don't know if I even see Miami winning any more games. They're coming home. So sure, I can give them credit that they can find another way here. But I, I don't know. Miami pushed Boston to seven last year. They came within one shot of making the finals. I know. I know they have the heart. Jimmy Butler is awesome. And if there, if this bet doesn't come through, it's because Jimmy Butler was the best player in the series. And I think that's possible. Even if Giannis is mostly healthy, I think that is possible. Jimmy is that good. No one else on Miami is that good. And I just don't see how the Heat have enough to push this to seven or get the series win. They won the Heat won game one with shot variants. The Bucks won game two with shot variants. And so game three is really like is is in this kind of is in this kind of spot. The one thing I will say, like I'm on Bucks here because I think the number I got was good at three. If Giannis gets cleared to play, let's say that they're having this, right? That it's like, I don't know. Let's say that this jumps to seven. I'm going to middle it. I'm going to middle it at seven. Like I will, if if the five and a half is reflective of, of Giannis, I'll stay away. But if Giannis is ruled in and this number jumps to seven or more, I will absolutely come back in on the other side because I do, for me, Brandon, this is not about wanting to, like your thing is like wanting to play against Miami and I'm wanting to play against the Bucks. Like that's where this comes in is I agree with you. On, on like a lot of what you said. And I'm just like, this is the type of team that Milwaukee, it's like, 
How are the Bucks in a two-point game with this team? This is exactly I've just I've learned my lesson. That's why I have Bucks futures and just leaving them alone. Um, and I, I like the number when we when we got when I opened, but I will definitely try and middle this if this is seven. I will go back the other way because I do think that that's probably too many. And I think that Miami, like I just do not my thing is I do not trust Milwaukee to handle that much of a number on the road versus a team that is I don't even know. You're not wrong that they're not good. I just, they exist in this linear, lineal space, Brandon, where the Heat are neither good nor bad nor trustable nor un. I don't know what they are. They're just the Heat. Sean, what do you got? This That's a perfect segue for me, man. I agree with you uh, wholeheartedly, BA, on the series minus one and a half games. And Matt, what you just said is, I think the reason the number is minus one and a half on the series and why we're talking about potentially the Heat being able to compete at all in this series. I agree with Brandon. I don't know if they win any more games, let alone push the series to seven. Now, there was a, a tweet from Bill Simmons maybe six weeks ago, and he said, oh, what do you know? Your, your prize for being the number one seed in the East is getting Jimmy Butler and the Miami Heat. And in the tweet, he added Pat Riley. Like Pat Riley was going to go out there and shoot corner threes. <laughs> so what I'm saying is that the the this the public perception of heat, the heat culture, they can't play. They they they're not going to get run off the floor by the Milwaukee Bucks because they're the Heat and they have Eric Spolstra. I think that has that carries a little too much weight on where we're at with the Heat. The Heat have been pretty bad a vast majority of the year. They had a real a, a real shot for the Bulls to come in there and take care of business and actually steal the eight from them. And the Bulls are horrendous. So I think it's just a lot of, I don't want to call it lazy, but people believe in Spolstra. They love Jimmy Butler. I haven't come across anyone that doesn't like Jimmy Butler, right? So they 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 don't mind backing guys like Jimmy Spo. And then the whole heat aura gets us in this spot. I, I think the, the Bucks minus one and a half is a very – good play to take a look at because I don't see how they the Bucks specifically allow this to go to seven games, especially without Tyler Hero and 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 what they did in I mentioned it pro- previously. They scored 130 points in game one. The, the, I mean that wasn't sh- that, that yes it was shot variance Matt but it was top top insane yeah. shot variance. They'll yeah. never do they'll never do that again. Come close to that. Jimmy Butler had 15 field goals made. He hasn't done that all season. So, yeah, I'm with BA here. I think the Bucks take care of business especially in uh in less than 7 games. I I slandered Brandon for his overly convoluted bet. I will say this, if the Milwaukee Bucks win game 3, um I will be betting Heat plus 2 and a half on the series spread. I will absolutely be betting them to <laughs> get another game in the series. That's well, why not? Why not both? And why not take the, the bucks minus one and a half and then try to middle on the other side, middle the series that way. And honestly, the, to me, the bucks minus one and a half series actually is me making a less confident bet on game three and giving the heat some credit saying, look, maybe the heat do steal another game or two. Maybe the Bucks give away another game, but, yeah, I, I don't see it happening enough times to get to seven. I guess it can't be two. I, I misspoke, but that this is the bet of me saying, yeah, I think the Bucks could just blow one of these somewhere along the way. They they give up one of the games in Miami. I don't know when. This is me picking on the basis of the next three, four games that Milwaukee wins out as a better team somewhere along the way. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, let's go to Memphis and the Lakers. I will say this. Um, I can't find any book that will let me parlay this. If I could, I would take Lakers in game three and the series to go over five and a half, maybe seven. Like I might look at, at mm. Lakers win game three, series goes seven. To me... I like Lakers minus five here. This is pretty simple. It's four and a half. Uh, money's coming back in on Memphis, probably based off of the idea Jaw's going to play. Uh, I don't know that Jaw's all that impactful in this series. You got a guy that attacks the rim relentlessly and doesn't have a reliable jumper. Hit some big threes in game one. Thought that was like that was big. Um, but he's got bad hand going against great rim protection. That's like one of the things that the Lakers can do really well is protect at the rim. And that's where Jaw wants to do most of his damage. That's a problem. Okay. I like the other guards being able to attack the Lakers a little bit better here. An easy angle on the Lakers would just be Anthony Davis will play better. I don't know if I, I don't know if I believe that like it's Anthony Davis, <laughs> you know, like we're going to constantly be like, what a dominant performance from Anthony Davis. Isn't he one of the best big men of all time? And then say fucking nothing when he plays like he did in game two, it's just going to be fucking crickets for, for some reason. He's the only big man that gets a pass when he plays like that. Um, but I think Lakers role players shoot better. Memphis role players shoot worse. This is pretty simple here is like Memphis needs to hit threes. You always need to hit threes to have a variance game versus the Lakers. They don't take a lot. Memphis doesn't have great shooting. They have Desmond and they have Kennard, but Kennard's the type of guy that they could struggle on the road. Desmond could have a bad game. That variance play to me is enough for me to get on the Lakers minus five. I think jaw coming back actually messes up some of this. Um, I think Vanderbilt probably plays better at home. I don't like Rui's now done it two games where he's put up 20. I got no reason to think Rui's going to play worse at home. I'm going to be on Rui over points, rebounds, assists in this game again. Um, Brandon Vando hit last game on the over on rebounds. I think like I'm considering like the putting, I, I am considering putting, doing the individuals plus putting like Rui and Vando rebounds combined over into, into something here. Um, hmm. Cause I think that they actually both will produce on that end. The Grizzlies got a really good game in game two and a really terrible performance from the Lakers who played like, eh, we got the split. I don't want to take it away from Memphis. I think the Lakers should not have done that. I don't think the Lakers are good enough to be like, yeah, no, we'll let you have this one because we got the split. You are not that good, sir. Um, I will like the Grizzlies in game four, but I like I like the Lakers here in game three and to cover minus five. Sean, what do you think? No LeBron comments? No, nothing. You didn't. You just, you just gloss over the whole LeBron situation here uh, with our guy, the wrestler. I won't even say his name. We know exactly what I'm talking about. But yeah, I think um, I, I don't think Anthony Davis is getting a pass like like you mentioned. I think people are all over Anthony Davis for a guy that there's a difference when you just have a bad game and when you're not engaged and look completely disinterested and that's exactly what anthony davis did i don't know if it was because he got hit in the eye and that gave him uh, a, a little bit of trouble and maybe that pulled him out of his game a little bit but he only had four free throw attempts that's completely unacceptable from a guy like that um but yeah going back to la they 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 look like they did in game two because i do think that they 
felt like they took care of business. We, we, we split, we get to go back to LA and um, that's where we'll be able to take control of the series. And when you talk about rim protection, LeBron James is protecting the rim as well. So that's another guy that initially we wouldn't think um, was would come in and, and, and try to block shots and contest at the rim like he has been. So yeah, I agree. I like the Lakers to to go home. I, I think it's a, a interesting series, just game by game. This is probably the series I'm having the hard a hard time just breaking down game to game because the Lakers have been inconsistent all year. The jaw injury. And there's a lot of a lot of different noise surrounding game to game. I just feel like over five and a half is still a really good play at this point. Like I just think that over plenty over on on games played based off of the assumption that the mem- the Grizzlies are too banged up to get distance between the, from the Lakers, and the Lakers aren't good enough to be consistent enough to to beat them handily. So, and the Lakers are getting a bump from the market as they always do. Um, that's kind of my side on it, Brandon. What do you think about the series? Yeah, as a, as a noted Lakers fan and lover and better, I was really disappointed in the game two effort. Uh, honestly, it, it was a pretty pathetic Lakers effort. It's exactly what both of you said. It was, we got game one, good, we're good, we're fine. And I get that. And a lot of teams are going to do that. We've seen that in other games. We will see it again. I just didn't think LeBron at age 38, knowing that the margins are thin with this team, knowing that John Morant is out, and you can go on the road and win game two and clamp the series down. And the Warriors are down 0-2, by the way, as this game is happening. So, like, the, the path is open, blood in the water. I bought in on LeBron just showing up, and I thought it was a passive game from him. It was a terrible game from Davis, 13 points on 4 of 14 from the field. Xavier Tillman took it to Anthony Davis, guys. Xavier Tillman! 22 and a 13, my man, Michigan State. I love that. This was totally a home crowd role player energy win for Memphis. And they, they keep doing it. Every time John Morant is out, everyone's like, all right, well, Grizzlies are done now. And then they can't, they can't keep winning without Jaw. And then they just do the home crowd role player energy thing again. All that said, my pick on this for game three is 1 million percent a narrative play. We got arguably the worst regular starter in the NBA talking smack to the greatest player of the generation. LeBron is going to show up and ask for Dylan Brooks to give him all the smoke and then take it down his throat the entire game. He's going to come out swinging. He's going to come out putting up points. He already brought up, this is effectively his first, this is effectively his Los Angeles playoff debut. They didn't make it in last year. The year before, it was at home, but only with like a quarter of the fans in the stadium. This is the first real deal playoff debut. LeBron at home in front of the home fans with a guy, Dylan Brooks. This is the LeBron agitator now. Dylan Brooks is the reason that LeBron's going to not put up big points and get the win. So I played around with some different same game parlays, 30 points in a cover, 40 in a win. 40 is a little too far for me looking at the numbers he's put up this year, especially with the pace on the series and the scoring overall. So I settled on 35. LeBron has scored 35 in a win. That's not a cover, just the money line. He's done that nine times this year out of 55. So about one in every six games. So that's around the number we're getting here. But I get the Dylan Brooks agitator on top of it. So this is just totally a... All right, nobody in the world cares more about narrative and legacy and 
Like just you, we already can hear in your brain the LeBron interview after the game. Oh yeah, Dylan Brooks talked a bit, you know, talked it up before the game. This we showed up and I I put up put up the points, like the whole thing, like that's the LeBron story that he wants to be told. Give me LeBron to put up a big number, get the win, Lakers get back on track. If I could find a way to bet against you on this, I would bet against you on this. I think this is <laughs> I think this is a terrible take. So for starters, LeBron is literally the greatest scorer of now of all time. He considers himself the greatest player of all time. Like LeBron has spent more time this week thinking about whatever productions in Hollywood his team has going, his business investments, than he has about Dylan Brooks. Like Dylan, you reach a level to where like LeBron doesn't take things as personally as like Kobe did. He just doesn't. He's not taking this personally from Dylan. He's going to be like, whatever. Dylan's never won anything. Like, I, why do I care? I'm LeBron James. I think it's more likely he doesn't. I think it's more likely he has like a mediocre game and they get the win. And it's just like, oh, look at LeBron, 25 and 25, five and five. What an incredible performance. When it's just like, yeah, you play fine. Like you play fine and they won. Um, a good example of this, like never done the, the dunk contest. It seems like a weird parallel, but think about it. Like doesn't have the drive to like add that to his, like he wants everything on his terms. Like everything has been very specifically built to be on his terms. He's never operated on anybody else's terms. The only team that ever got under his skin, the only team that ever got under his skin was the Celtics. That was the only team that ever did. And that was because they couldn't beat him. He knows he can beat this team. So I'm not worried about the Dylan Brooks angle on this. Um, I will not probably not play it because LeBron, the home crowd factor I like, that's a good angle. Like that's a narrative play, but I don't think Dylan Brooks has anything to do um, with what happens in this series. Uh, on Sunday, Sacramento Kings take on the Golden State Warriors. I'm playing the the Kings here, plus 270. First road playoff game for De'Aaron Fox. First road playoff game for Keegan Murray. First road playoff game for the Kings as a whole together. A lot of young guys in that environment. Obviously, they didn't shoot well. The Warriors backs against the wall. No Draymond. Played great. Played fantastic. That game was still in doubt within range in the in the second half. Like it took a, a late run, and the Kings let go of the rope. I think they play better. I think they actually go up three one in the series. I'm willing to go ahead and play the money line. Don't want the spread. I'm just playing the money line plus 270. Give me the Kings, Brandon. Yeah, I still don't totally know what I think of this series, which is fun because I literally gave out a bet expecting that I know everything that's going to happen in this series yes. with all four games left. So I texted you last night, Matt, about this. What, what did we think of the Kings? Was it just, was it something schematically that wasn't working? Was it just execution that didn't show up? A thing that I noticed looking back, watching a little bit back, Steph had six threes that game from 28 feet or more. And we just shrug because it's Steph and who cares. But the Warriors had a lot of shooters out there and from further out. And I think it's not a coincidence that when that happens in the game, when Steph is shooting from even further beyond the arc is also the game when Kevon Looney is getting an offensive rebound, like every time that he breathes in the paint, you're pulling the defenders out, you're stretching the defense out. And now there's all that space in the paint for Looney to eat the glass and for the Warriors to get some of those easier buckets, get the drive, get to the rim. I think that's more Warriors basketball. I think it was actually a tactical adjustment here that they did. And yeah, the Kings, I don't know, it, just, it just fell off in game three. And maybe the off is just, yeah, they lost the home crowd energy. And certainly we saw the role player thing flip. Malik Monk went from like unguardable bucket to basically a total non-factor in game three. So I think some of that stuff evens out. It feels to me like this is a 
bet whoever you like to win game four to win the series, right? Like it feels like if the Warriors get this and it's back to two, two, and they're, they're going to feel pretty good. And we're going to feel pretty good about them. If the Kings get it, they're up three, one, that feels pretty good. So I looked at that. Cause you can of course bet that game four and the series. The problem is the Kings are plus two seventy in the money line. You're only plus 300 to win game four in the series. So I don't need the extra 30 cents that much to risk the Warriors 3-1 comeback. Like that is always going to be in play with the champs, with Steph and Draymond, Clay, et cetera. So yeah, I, I just, I think it's going to be a fun game. I don't know what version of Draymond that we're going to get. I don't know if we get the overly emotional version or often we expect that, but after he comes back from a spot like this, he often has honestly like a masterclass of a game. We, we forget now that 2016 finals game seven Draymond was absolutely incredible. Like one of the best games he has ever played in his career in that game, the Warriors won game three, sorry. Yeah. The Warriors won at home with role players, but they won a physicality battle. I don't know if they're going to do that every game they won on the glass. They won the turnover battle. I certainly don't think they're going to do that every game. And they got the home whistle. They'll probably do that again. But yeah, Matt, like you said, I don't know if this necessarily is just like, all right, they got everything fixed. It's fine now. It's the the turnovers, all of those things. It, it felt like um, the Kings are still only down 12, guys. It's the mid-third quarter. They've played like garbage, and they're still right there. What if they hit a couple shots? And they, they didn't. They didn't hit the shots. And then the Warriors hit a couple of shots, and that was it. But it, it was weirdly inverse of the first couple of games where the Kings felt like way the better team. But the Warriors just kind of hung, and they hung, and they hung. So now I don't know what to do with it because we have three games. We have two games where the Kings looked way better and it was basically even until the Draymond ejection. They played even. Now we have one game where the Warriors looked way better, but they blew them out at the end. This kind of is just a generic series in some ways, right? The favored team blows the opponent out at home. The underdog squeaks by at home. In a weird way, what have we learned so far? Like I've talked myself in circles, but am I crazy to come back to that? Sean, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, the Warriors flat out forced the Kings into tough, tough shots in game three in San Francisco. That was the the bigger difference. There was a lot of easier looks, especially from De'Aaron Fox, who continues to go crazy. But yeah, I mean, it it, it is interesting. We talked about the, that that in the last Buckets BA. For everything that was going for the Kings, you look up and they're, they're up three points with four minutes left. <laughs> so Looney's in foul trouble, Draymond's ejected, and Clay comes off the screen and it's a one possession game. So, yeah, they, they they weren't able to get it done. Kings go up 2-0. But, yeah, they get back to San Francisco. It is back and forth. You can't underestimate the desperation that the Warriors were coming into this game with. I think that's why the line was six at five and a half, six points, depending on where you were looking at it, similarly to what you saw from the Cavs versus the Knicks in game two. Just a completely desperate team. You saw it on the defensive end, and that's exactly what you saw from um, the Warriors. The, the Looney not being in foul trouble was absolutely massive. 12 boards, six offensive rebounds in the first half. He ended up with 20 boards, nine offensive. The game was, I don't want to say over, but they they stamped the game early and it was on Looney's back. Curry was moving off the ball like it was 2015. He looked sensational, looked ready to go. Yeah, it, it's a back and forth spot. Seven and a half feels heavy to me in game four, like Matt said. Let's get the, the the playoff game one out of our system. The Aaron Fox tried to to will him uh, by himself, couldn't get it done. I would love to see Sabonis be up around that twenty point 
uh, numbers. Sometimes I think he's deferring a little too much, especially on the road. They're going to need him to score a little bit more with with the inevitable drop off from Monk and the rest of those guys. Yeah, interesting, interesting, interesting spot here in game four. I believe seven and a half is too many. So a couple numbers here. Um, both teams struggle in half court in this game. Uh, 87.2 in non-garbage time over cleaning the glass for the Kings. That's 22nd percentile. The Warriors were at just 87.8. They're 0.8 points per possession better uh, than the than the Kings in half court. It was just, it really was transition. It was that the Kings turned the ball over a ton. They had a huge amount of turnovers. And the, the Warriors dominated in terms of scoring efficiently off of those turnovers. It was havoc ball. Now, like that's Golden State's identity. And I get that. Are the Warriors going to have such a great turnover percentage themselves? Are they going to turn the ball over so little? And are the Kings going to turn over at the same? Maybe because it's a road environment again. It's not like it doesn't, it's not like it's suddenly not a road environment just because it was the first game, right? Which is why, like, I don't want the spread here. It's not just because of the trend of teams that win cover. For me, it's like, no, like if the if the turn if everything kind of neutralizes back to even, I think the Kings win this game and I want the payout on plus 270 if that's the case. Otherwise, this is like the Warriors are going to are going to win and they're going to cover. Um, I think, look, part of here's one of the struggles is that here's Demonis Sabonis in this game. 15 points, had 16 boards, had a 28.6 turnover percentage. Sabonis, when he's on the court with Steph, they get destroyed. I can't really, like, again, this is another one of those series where I wish we could bet plus minus. Cause I just want to be like, I would be, I would be Brandon taking the alts. I would be like Sabonis minus nine, Sabonis minus 15, Sabonis <laughs> minus 20, like all over the place because they get destroyed every minute that Steph's on the court next to Sabonis, which is going to be most of it. They lose, but the Kings have enough lineups that will win. So Monk probably plays better. I think the, the bench plays a little bit better. They get, they don't get as rattled like Davion Mitchell rookie or second year player, first playoff game, one of five from three. Right. Keegan Murray, one of three. Wide open looks, too. Yeah. Ke- you know, Kevin Herter, one of six from three. Shot variance, all this kind of goes their way. It's enough for me to get plus 270. By the way, Sabonis, no props up yet for this game. He's had four, three, and six turnovers the three games so far, two, four, and four assists. So I think Sabonis turnovers over or assists under once we get some lines. Keep an eye out for that. Matt, I'm basically playing the bet that you made. I agree. I think the Warriors most likely just win this game. If the Kings manage to keep it close and win, and basically the case that you made, my bet is Kings to win game four, Warriors win the next two, push it to seven, but the Kings get the job done at the end. So I'm basically, this is my version. This is my alternate lines version. This is my escalator because what happens if the Kings win game four? If the Kings steal game four on the road, it's 3-1, it's dynasty on the line. It's this core's final game. It's the last dance. It's all of those things. And we've seen how the Warriors respond in that spot. And this is a series that looks very coin flippy, to be honest. So if you have that extra motivational, they can't win on the road, guys. They haven't won on the road all season. Like all the stories that they'll be hearing. And you said LeBron doesn't respond to that. The Warriors respond to all of that stuff. They're, they're listening to all of the stories. They're going to hear all of it coming into game five. They keep it alive, game five. Now it's 3-2, coming back to San Francisco. That is like a, we back the Brinks truck up on the Warriors in that spot. Like the Warriors blow out the Kings game six at home. Now it goes back to seven. It's in Sacramento. 
And I wonder if by then maybe the Warriors run out of gas. Matt, you've, you've talked about that over the course of the playoffs, maybe even just by game seven, the way that the Kings have opened up the gas in the second half in these series, that this scenario is the longest outcome scenario on FanDuel, 17 to one. I just think basically it's plus 270 to win this game, but it's okay if that happens, if the Kings do win game four, how do I think this plays out from there? And I think the most likely way it plays out is that way where the Warriors fight heart of a champion game five, win game six at home. And even if they get to game seven there, I'd have a spot to hedge out and lock in a big profit there. But I think that's the the path. If the Kings win this, where the series goes from there. I want to argue against you because it's insane, but like there's reasons there's logic. I get it. I get it. And I will take it. I will let you victory lap. If you hit it, Phoenix taking on the Clippers. Um, Look, I don't know. what, what, What am I supposed to do with the series? Like, (laughs) <laughs> if, if Kawhi comes back and just moves the Clippers minus two, three and a half point bump towards the Clippers, that makes sense. To me, that's about right. Um, I'll bet the Clippers. I think the Clippers will win plus two and a half. I'm tempted to do it now anyway. I think if they go down 3-1, they could still win in Phoenix. They already did it once. Um, I don't think the Clippers are the better team. So I have started thinking about playoffs through this lens. There's two questions you have to answer in every series. Who's the better team? It's Phoenix. Is the gap enough? for them to win if the matchup isn't theirs. And on the other side, are they close enough that where if you have the matchup advantage, can you win? The Clippers are close enough to the Suns that if they have Kawhi, the matchup advantage is enough for them for them to win the series. Again, I'm begging, pleading, on my knees, Ty Lu, play Robert Covington for the love of fucking God. You're killing me. Just put Robert Covington out there. You need one forward. Like, uh, it's it's one of those where where like Tyloo finally goes small and doesn't play Zubash down the stretch. Like Tyloo goes small, yes. Tyloo b- plays five guards with Terrence Mann at center. No, like <laughs> so close, Ty. Um, need them to play Robert Covington and small ball five. Don't know what's going to happen. It's weird to see Lou like missing this very big tree in the forest. Forest, but uh. Brandon, if Clippers, if Kawhi's available and I will wait for the line to move, I'll try and get ahead of it. But like if Kawhi plays, I like the Clippers. If Kawhi doesn't play, I'm going to stay away. That's the direct, that's my entire thing on the series. Yeah. I mean, I think that that makes sense, but I, I think that there's more to the Clippers here. And I don't even know if it's more the Clippers as much as less to the Suns, but like I, I am just continually thoroughly underwhelmed by the Suns in this series. Yeah. Uh, they're up two to one. They win the games. But against no Kawhi and no Paul George, against yeah. just a bunch of like a bunch of fourth to seventh men on the roster. That's what the Clippers are right now. It's a bunch of rotation guys headlined by a guy that like half of the league has paid to get away from their team, Russell Westbrook, who's been incredible this series, by the way. Credit where it's due. He has been awesome. In that game, Durant played 42, Booker played 45, old man Chris Paul played 41. They're running out a six-man rotation against a team of backup, like, rotation guys. How is that happening? They're barely getting over the line despite Clippers had 18 turnovers. That's a huge advantage for Phoenix. Phoenix had 15 offensive rebounds. That's pretty good. Phoenix shot 46 free throws in this game. 46 is a lot of free throws. And if the Clippers, like, make one more shot at the end, then suddenly LA is up 2-1, and we're going, oh, my gosh, what's happening right now? Like, I honestly, I think that we're underreacting to how lackluster Phoenix has been against even like a semi-competent team in this series. So I, I do have a best bet on the series. I gave it out before. I like 
Clippers plus two and a half in the series. Clippers plus two and a half. It's even money right now, plus 100. That means Clippers win one of the next two games. That's the bet. Similar here to the Milwaukee-Miami thing we did earlier. I just don't think that Phoenix has enough separation from the Clippers to have any reason that I shouldn't expect the Clippers can take another game. I think both of these games remaining or more, hopefully if my bet is right, are just going to come down to shooting variance and it's going to be close most of the way. Like Booker has been incredible this series. Durant is scoring and it's just like, all right, two possession game, a couple of minutes left. Let's see what's going to happen here. That There's no separation and it really worries me if you can't separate here. So I think the Clippers win one more, at least have a very good chance. You can play right now. So the Clippers are plus 700 to win the series. I don't know if I think the Clippers are really going to win. I think that number is wrong. And you can get a better number if you play Clippers in six and Clippers in seven instead, which is the exact same thing. It's the only two ways the Clippers can win the series, guys. That's at plus 3,000 for six games, plus 1,200 for seven games. Play that instead, you get plus 816 for the Clippers to win the series. I think that's a bad number. I think the Clippers can win the series, and we're not even factoring in the fact that Phoenix is playing three dudes who don't make it through the playoffs healthy every second they can handle, and there's a liability that KD or CP or something, I don't wish it, but uh, guys, we're going to get two months of these guys playing 40, 45 minutes a game. I don't know, man. I think the Clippers are live in game four. I think they're alive to push the series along. And I think they are still alive to win the series. They can win in Phoenix. They can win at home. If the shots fall, they can win the game. Coming into the, the series, we knew the Suns weren't very deep, right? But I'm with Brandon. This, they have been completely lackluster. They're playing tons of minutes and have had huge games from Devin Booker. But then Josh Okogie, Damian Lee, and then Torrey Craig are the, like, kind of the outliers that are getting big minutes. We haven't seen Shemet. We haven't seen uh, Terrence Ross. So, yeah, I mean, uh, the they, the st- I knew the starters were going to be under pressure to produce and play a lot of minutes. Are they going to be able to hold up? They haven't shown that they've pulled away at all in this Clippers series whatsoever, and they've been getting off to slower starts here in the first quarter as well. They have home court, and yeah, it's been lackluster from Phoenix. I I personally dismissed how thin Phoenix would be. And now we're seeing it live and in color in the playoffs. And I, I am a touch worried because I did pick them to come out of the West. Okay. I have a couple thoughts here. Um, One, I think you gotta be cautious with the Clippers stuff with betting the Clippers because Kawhi's not going to unsprain his knee. Like that's not going to, he's not going to unsprain it. Paul George is not coming back. And the matchup still is very good in the Clippers' favor, but I don't know if it's enough. Like the the margin for the Suns is just so much wider than it is for the Clippers. If there's you know, Kawhi plays Game Four, up oh, now he's out for Game Five. Like the I at this point we can't we can't really have have value him. I think if you if you were if you are going the route that Brandon is and you're questioning the Suns, which I think is like a good thing to do, based off of all these reasons, you probably just want to start looking at West futures. Um, there are books right now that are offering round of elimination. So you can go to some of these other ones, right? So you like, if you want to make a bet on somebody else to come out of the West, but losing the finals or to lose in the conference finals to get past Phoenix. Um, if you want to, 
said on the Nuggets to like, I think the Nuggets will beat the Suns because the Suns are not deep enough and they're having to play all these guys and they don't take any threes, but then the Lakers will do what they always do, which is beat the Nuggets in the playoffs, whatever it is, or you just bet the Lakers. Like there are, find one of those other angles if you're buying into the idea that that the Suns are vulnerable, which I agree with, they are. Like them playing all these minutes is really bad. On the other hand, what I will say is you don't want to go so far. We do this a lot where we're like, look how much trouble they're having in this series, let alone when they face the next series, that's dangerous. Don't go too far down that road because what you're doing then is you're applying the same framework of a matchup to matchups that are entirely different. Denver is a way, way, way better team than the Clippers. Like they are a demonstrably better team on every level. It's also a different matchup. The Clippers are able to switch everything. The Clippers, I guess, can play small ball when they play Terrence Mann at center. But like the Clippers have all of this shooting. Denver has shooting for sure, but it's entirely different. Um, the, like you think Ivica Zubac is a problem in defensive coverage? Well, Nikola Jokic is up next and he's way worse. So like, don't get so caught up in the idea of fading Phoenix. Now you want to fade Phoenix for the duration I think that that tracks and that Brandon honestly gets back to your pre your pre playoffs best bet, which was Eastern conference. Like that's where I get back to on all this, which is if the best team in the West is having to play Devin Booker 45 minutes a night, dropping 45 and nine to get past the Clippers without Kawhi and PG, then even if, if they're better than the, than the nuggets or have matchup advantages, none of these teams are touching Milwaukee or, or Boston. So like, that we just return back to what we were talking about then. Right, Brandon, do you, do you see what I'm saying there? Yeah, no, I agree. I just, uh, my interpretation of what you just said is, is if, if the best team from the West, all the things you just said, then they're not the best team from the West. That's the takeaway for me. I don't know. We are, the books are assuming Phoenix is the best team in the West and by like a real margin. Yep. And we've done that basically since the trade happened. And we all bet it at the time to, to bet Denver. We all looked right at the time and said, I don't know. I don't know if Phoenix is that much better now than everyone. And we just haven't changed the pricing on it. That's the, the bet to me is I don't think Phoenix is the best in the West by a margin. I don't think they're best in the West. I don't even know if they're like top one. Like I think they're just very much in the mix of a bunch of fine West teams that can win any given night. You're right. I just, I got to, stop right here and like i have to list the prices at FanDuel for the western conference because they're hilarious the phoenix Suns are plus 165 the denver nuggets who have done nothing but look awesome like outside of a quarter of basketball are plus 300 then the golden state warriors down 2-1 <laughs> are plus 410 the lakers in a 1-1 series are plus 850 the grizzlies the two seed are plus 1000 the up to one Sacramento Kings are 10 to one. And then the Clippers plus 3,900 and the Wolves plus 23,000. Like, I know that so much of this is built on handle. I get it. I absolutely get it. I understand why this is like, why these numbers are the way they are. I'm not saying here saying like stupid bookmakers. I get why they are where they are. It's just really funny when you look at this and you're like, Denver is almost twice as long as the Suns when they're like taking care of business and the Suns are scrapping with the Los Angeles Clippers without Kawhi, the and Warriors have to go like, to Denver. The Warriors are like yeah. trying to get through here <laughs> and they're the third favorite. The Kings are up to one. Everyone's talking about them. They're still 10 to one. Uh, it's so, so 
My point, Matt, I don't remember, you had a segment that we did on, on Futures Friday. Since this is Future Friday-ish pod, let me close the, the Suns argument with that. You had a segment, I don't forget the name, early in the year that was basically like, what's the one bet that please don't make right now? Do you remember the segment that we did and I gave yeah. out Jason Tatum to win MVP? Please don't bet that. Yeah. Whatever that segment was, please don't bet the Suns to win the title or the last right now. I just don't understand why that can, not that they can't win it. I'm going to get clipped into oblivion and, oh, please don't bet them. Brandon's a moron. Kevin Durant, Kevin Booker is not a good number. Do not bet the Suns that we're seeing right now at the number we're given right now. I just don't understand how that can be the right bet given the thinness we're seeing on this team. The thing we talked about all last year, they are not shooting three-pointers. They're hitting every shot in the world. Booker and Durant are hitting every midi, and they're still barely getting over the line because three is still greater than two, and the Suns are like one of the last teams that has yet to admit that. Torrey Craig is the only one bailing them out on threes. He has eight the last two games. I think the entire rest of the team has 12. There's There are just so many reasons to doubt this profile. They could still do it. Kevin Durant and Devin Booker and CP are great. Yes, I listed three, not four names there, but I can't bet it. I cannot tell you in any good <laughs> conscience to bet the Suns to come out of the West or win it all at the number they're at. That To me, if I could give anything on the podcast, that's my best bet. Don't put your money on the Suns futures tickets right now. That's my best bet I can give you. Celtics to beat Nuggets at FanDuel Sportsbook in the finals. 18 to 1 right now. Almost as long or longer than uh, Kings to win game four, lose game five, lose game six, win game seven. <laughs> That's to wrap it up for Buckets. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Have yourselves a great weekend. Enjoy the games. And Sunday night, we'll have best bets for Monday. On Monday, we'll have a weekend recap as well as our best bets for the Tuesday slate. Uh, our thanks to David Payne, our producer, for putting together a long episode on a Friday. Have yourselves a great weekend. We'll see you again next time. Till then, Get buckets. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.